Welcome to Go All In Exclusive. I'm your host, Rob Bruss, and today on the show we have Zoe Routh from zoerouth.com. Zoe's a returning guest, and I really love her content. That's why I wanted to have her here on the Go All In Exclusive podcast. In case you haven't heard her before, she's a leadership and team building expert. She's an author and a fellow podcaster, and you can tune in to episode 122 of the main Go All In show to hear her thoughts there. Zoe's most recent book, People Stuff, recently won the Smart WFM Australian Business Book of the Year for 2020. Zoe really does know her people stuff. Let's get started. G'day everyone and welcome to Go All In Exclusive. If this is your first time here, welcome. It's great to have you here. I know you're going to absolutely love these exclusive episodes. My guests and I go deep on these shows. We go deep into mastering the art and the science of going all in. And these podcasts have been created and they're for you. And the idea is to shortcut the path to the success that you're seeking. Make sure if you've got a question or some feedback for the show that you reach out to us via the Ask Me Anything page. And you can just take a little peek at your phone right now and the link to the AMA is right there in the show notes so you won't have to go digging around for it. For regular listeners of the Goal In Exclusive, if you're back for more, welcome back. It's great to have you here. And as I like to say, I love our repeat offenders at the Goal In Exclusive. Thanks for your loyalty and thanks so much for spending your precious and valuable time with me here on the podcast today. Remember, my guests and I are here to serve you, the listener. We want to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts and your opinions about the topics that we're discussing, so make sure you connect with us via the AMA page. Also, before we kick off today, don't forget to grab your free copy of my best-selling masterclass called Master Your Mind and Go All In. It's worth $149 and I'm giving it to you for free. It's my best work and inside you'll find over 15 years of entrepreneurial experience coupled with my 10 years of military experience, all condensed into nine modules, nine video-based modules, that is, with over four hours of content. And you can grab your copy at goallin.com.au forward slash referral, and you can find that link also in the show notes. Alrighty, let's get into today's show. Zoe Ralph, welcome to the Goal In Podcast or the Goal In Exclusive Podcast. How are you today? Fabulous. Great to be here again. Yeah, it's great to have you back here. Tell me, how's uh, COVID been treating you and your business? Is everything okay? Oh, well, we got gutted in the first three months. Yeah, same. And that was sort of, yeah, <laughs> I think that was pretty much everyone's, many people's experience. And we've been coming out of it. So that's good. I wouldn't say we're back to normal, uh, but we are definitely on a very strong positive trajectory. Yeah, one of the really interesting things that I've uh, found just in, because the podcasting never really stopped for me, but one of the things that I, I discovered was a lot of people have been working on their business and making a transition to digital stuff that they should have been doing anyway. Was that the same for you as well? Uh, I already had a mix of digital, so that that was not a big mountain to climb, actually. We had to transition one program, which had a face-to-face component to it that we ran quarterly, and we swapped everybody over to virtual, and that was fairly seamless. And mm-hmm. just recently, we've gone back to face-to-face because in Canberra, we've been in a pretty clean kind of bubble for months. <laughs> That's a really good so, thing. It is a very good thing. And I am so grateful for that. That's for sure. I think I had at the start of the year, I had like four speaking engagements locked and loaded for March and April. And I did one of them, which was really cool. And then it all came to a grinding halt. The photography business came to a halt. This business came to a halt. It was like, oh my gosh, what's what's going to happen? But I, I think after the initial shock there of a couple of months, as you say, it uh, it all sort of started changing back for the better, which is really good thing. So I'm, I'm pleased to hear that it's working out for you as well. What about your clients? Are you, are you finding a similar thing for your clients as well? Is it okay for them? Is it turning back around for them now? Depends on the industry. So um, the not-for-profit sector was in major chaos until the JobKeeper stuff came through and they've all stabilized and going very well. Construction industry has continued to sail on at 
great rate, yeah. um, depending on what's happening with their supply chain. Uh, universities, really bad, really bad. They're going to take years to recover. They may never in terms of going back to what they were before. So they're still struggling. Um, and online retail, doing very well. So it depends on the industry, up and down for everybody. Are you positive and optimistic about 2021? I actually am. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, I am. I think it's going to be, well, we know what's in store anyway. We know that there's a vaccine on the horizon. We know that if lockdowns happen, we can manage through. Um, so I think the trick is not to make too many grandiose plans, which can shackle you to a trajectory that you couldn't afford. So I think it's going to be good. Yeah, that's. Uh, I agree. I love the optimistic and the positive sentiments as well. You know, I think when life deals your lemonade you just you deal with your lemons you just make lemonade it's just not a big deal right just overcome it and, and the pain and the heartache doesn't last forever while it's going on it feels like it lasts forever but really looking back at it now it's at the end of the year here we're really in the last working week of the year and i'm kind of like hey it wasn't that bad it sucked there's no question about that but it's really not that bad now we're at the end of it right I think why we can say it wasn't that bad because we now know what we do know now. Yeah, exactly. Did that sentence even make sense? I think it made sense. So yeah. there's less uncertainty. I think when it was really bad, there was so much uncertainty and that was what was bad about it. And now there's a bit more framework to the unknowingness, which is easier to navigate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Zoe, it's great to have you back here on the podcast and um, I'm excited for you with your new book and the and the release of that. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today as well. But for the people that don't know you and haven't heard you before or read any of your stuff, why don't you just give us a quick background on what it is that you do and, and who you serve? I would love to. Thank you for the invitation. I'm a leadership expert. I specialize in the people stuff and that's all about communication and culture. So a lot of the leaders and teams that I work with are struggling with things like silos, like backbiting, like undermining, like not having enough initiative. Um, that kind of people dynamic stuff really gets in the way of businesses delivering their key results. So what I do is I show leaders and teams the frameworks and maps to read the territory of the dynamics so they can make better choices and then smash through the results ongoing. I love it. As you know, as an ex-military guy, leadership is one of my favorite topics of all time to discuss. But it's, you know, it's a funny thing. When I was in the military, I never really gave it much thought. I never thought much about it. But it wasn't until I'd left that I realized how important it actually was. And I was very lucky for all of the bashing of the ADF in the last couple of months. There's been a lot of negative press and a lot of negative media around leadership in the ADF. I had really good experiences. And the experiences that I've had in the military, both in the Navy and the Army, had been really solid and to me looking back on that career having had good leaders in the past is something that's really important do you specialize in small teams big teams corporates small business what's where, where's your sweet spot I love working with CEOs and executive teams mm -hmm. that's my favorite thing in whichever sector so largely I've had a lot of SME and not-for-profit experience the bigger corporates um, a handful of those. Um, so it depends on the industry. I like hands-on industries. So agriculture, construction, people where, where people are really down to earth and um, pract practical, That that's kind of the crew that I love working with. Yeah, very nice, very nice. So I've got a new initiative kicking off over the Christmas break, actually, because entrepreneurs never sleep and there's always some hustle going on, something happening. I'm working with a mate of mine, his name's Jamie Small, and we're kicking off a thing called the Electricians Co-op. And yeah, what it is, it's that it's uh, so Jamie Zay is sparky by trade. Um, and I've just been in small business for such a long time. And in my digital marketing agency, work with a whole lot of sparkies over the years, probably maybe a hundred or more over 10, 15 years of doing that. So we're coming together to put together a, a paid podcast for that. So I'd love to invite you to come on over and talk about people's stuff over there in, in the SME space as well. Oh, that's be my favorite kind of crew. So that'd be awesome. Thanks. Yeah, really down to earth characters on construction sites, real blokey, blokey, Aussie, dinky, die type stuff as well. I think you'd fit right in there with your Canadian accent. <laughs> yeah, I can show them what's 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 for <laughs> in the Canadian two step. Well, Zoe, I know you a little bit, and I know that uh, people stuff is your superpower, if you like. Maybe you can share with the audience here a little bit what that actually means to be a leadership coach and to understand how the dynamics of people and how to bring the best out of people. What does that mean to you? Well, I first fell in love with all things people when I was a young person my, on my first, what I think is a real job, leading canoe trips. And I was 
17 working at summer camp and I was all of a sudden in charge of small groups of people, small young people and figuring out how to get them to do stuff and to not freak out about stuff was my first leadership lesson. And I learned some great insights about uh, how to bring teams together, what motivates them, what inspires them, et cetera. Um, so what does people stuff and team dynamics mean to me? You know what? We spent so much time at work. For me, it's really important that we love what we do and who we do it with. Mm. And so much of the team dynamic, the people interactions get in the way of us enjoying our work and actually delivering on the targets and objectives. So that's the kind of the motivation. And the definition is simply the interactions between people. Mm. Um, and the next, the next questions I've been unpacking for the last 30 years about how do we do that better? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've learned a lot along the way. Yeah, absolutely. One of the one of the byproducts of this crazy year twenty twenty has been in COVID, has been um, seeing really weak leaders and really strong leaders on television and in the media and whatnot. And there's been many times where I've sat there shouting at my screen or at my phone and just thinking, how is how is it that you are how how on earth could you possibly be in charge of making the decisions to do these things? Because the communication is terrible, their decisions seem poor, and it's easy to be a sideline critic like me. Is that something that you've experienced in the last year as well? Just thinking, oh man, that's not how to communicate a message. That's not how to lead. That's not how to do it. It's easy to nitpick from the sidelines, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think if ever you're going to spectate on leadership, it's during a pandemic <laughs> because there is so much at stake and everybody's paying attention. Yeah. Uh, and I think I've, I've said multiple times through this pandemic, this will be the making or breaking of people's leadership legacy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been very easy to critique from the side. And I think a couple of things that have shown themselves to be obvious is that the strong man rhetoric is so not able to cope with this kind of experience mm. and where which is which is uh challenging because in times of crisis people love strong leaders those who say this is what we're going to do and have this very uh charismatic approach to defining what needs to happen and there's a sense of confidence that comes through that and i think uh that's got an initial attraction to it and yet Though that stage of leadership maturity where it is all about command and dictation is so woefully unprepared for the complexity of this type of challenge. Mm. So we saw many strongman leaders fall over uh, as a result of this because they were not equipped from a strategic thinking point of view to handle the complexity. So that was one of my first observations is that the strongman rhetoric is attractive and yet so not what we need right now. Um, and then there was beautiful messaging and then there was the defiance of all odds and, and which this part still continues to perplex me is that everybody's got their own distinct sense of reality mm -hmm. and there are some that you can start to buy into the media that you just surround yourself with and so in the united states in particular we see this schism of realities and it's a very very difficult thing to watch from afar and then you need to think oh my god what am i blind to because i think i have a great sense of reality and they're obviously confused and then people on the other side with a different perspective think the exact same thing and um there's a there's a uh, a Netflix, um, what's it called? Netflix um, study, study, that's not the right word. Documentary. Documentary. Oh, Docuserie. Thank you. Docuserie that came out about, called The Social Network. I think it was called. Yeah, I'll watch that, yeah. Um, and I think that reinforces is how, how scary our news consumption can be because it just creates an echo chamber for what you believe unless you deliberately break out of it so that there's all this confusing and difficult stuff that's throwing things into the mix for leadership and traditional leadership falls way short and we need to absolutely need a different kind of leadership now and is there somebody that stands out in your mind that you've watched and thought wow that that person's got it together he or she is really communicating their message right they seem to be making the right decisions and it seems to be going well i, I can get behind that is there someone that sticks out in your mind Oh, it was probably a couple. Mm -hmm. um, Angela Merkel's always been a leading light for me in terms of what is strong and effective leadership in complex circumstances. Her mm -hmm. message of humanitarianism and compassion and being able to make tough calls and standing up to bullies is, 
has been admirable. Jacinda Ardern, everybody celebrates her for good reason. I think her leading with compassion mm. and being able to make the tough calls has been great. Um, so those are two of the ones that sort of stand out significantly for me, especially through the pandemic. Is there anyone that stands out on the other side for you that doesn't start with the letter T? <laughs> That's the, that's the obvious go-to. <laughs> isn't it right? Isn't it? What do you think about that? What do you think about the way that he's communicated and the leadership that he's shown during these times? It's been, it just, to me, it demonstrates that that person is not really in charge of anything. There's a thousand people behind him tell, telling him what to do. And then he makes a decision with all of these thousand things, which seems to be so random and all over the place. I'm sure in real life, the guy, if you sat down with the guy, he's probably a normal, reasonable man. But when you see him in media and the way they portray him, he looks like a moron. He looks like a buffoon. It depends on which lens you're looking through, right? There's yeah. 75 million Americans who think he's not with that statement. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. right. Well, actually, it's hard to tell. They voted for him. Whether they think he's a buffoon or not is up to, is unclear mm. because a lot of people vote for policy rather than the person. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so it's it's hard to know whether their vote equals vote for him or vote for the policies. Uh, yeah. So there's so much critique that could go, you know, from from being belligerent, from being uh, self-focused to being uncompassionate, to being uh, lacking sophistication to galvanize the entire country, mm. uh, flip-flopping on decisions. There's lots, lots that are this problematic. And I think that he's, U.S. is not the only country that's ballsed it up, you know. Yeah. Um, Sweden's not doing so well. UK is not doing so well. Europe is a basket case. Um, so some of that is because they live in close proximity to each other and have have very porous borders and a very intertwined economy. So all that is contributing factors. It doesn't always come down to just the leader. I think I think that's a superficial judgment. Mm. And it's something that I critique in my book too, is that what often looks like personality issues is often not just that. It may be part of the problem but underneath it is usually systems at play and if you look at what's happening in the u.s they've got so many problematic systems that create a lot of the chaos there and underneath all of that are the values that they aspire to there's such an individual individualistic society yeah to do some of the lockdowns and shutdowns other countries have done would just really rail against their own personal values as we've seen people shout about you know yeah protesting um, yeah Absolutely. So I think I think it's too easy to say it's because they're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a contributing factor, though. That there, there is some people that don't get the benefit of the doubt that are just really like awful to watch and and painful. Um, you know, doing the best they can with what they've got, but they're just in the wrong positions. And I've seen that many times in business over the years. I've been lucky enough in my digital marketing agencies to see the very inner workings of hundreds of businesses, literally the same as you as a coach, right, is. But I see it from a slightly different perspective because it's more from like an advertising perspective. People are paying money for AdWords campaigns, social media campaigns, they're not working. And you can see the inner workings of why things are not working because it's not always about their campaigns not working. Often they get plenty of clicks, they get lots of traffic to their website, they make lots of sales, but their fulfillment is a nightmare. And, you know, it's, it's never, it's like leadership. I always say that it's never one thing that actually makes it work. It's a, it's a series of small things that culminate together to produce this thing called a result or to produce this thing called a leader. And it's such an important topic to cover off on. Uh, are you finding that this topic of leadership is becoming more and more centralized and more and more at the front of what businesses are doing? Because my experience in the last sort of six months has been that more than ever people want to talk about leadership and I don't know if maybe I'm just tuned to it maybe I'm just hearing it a little bit more but it's what's your experience with that oh I totally agree uh because it it's showing this crisis is showing up people short if they're not ready for it mm. and I think that's when they go a lot of organizations are going whoa this is a big this is a big weakness that we hadn't necessarily uh, identified or we could just cruise by when things were stable and prosperous now mm. that they're in crisis mode we've discovered our leaders and our leadership strategy is not sound and so yes there is a definite interest in people bringing their executive teams together to getting the basics down right to recalibrating to up leveling people's leadership capacity across the board and the idea that it all falls to one person the ceo is been blown out of the water as well yeah um, it's kind of a paradox though it's like if you have an ill-equipped ceo then the organization will flounder. Um, 
And it's not just the CEO. The CEO needs a strong executive team, strong board to work with. So it's all the dynamics as you were describing, all the systems in place. And yet that's kind of a, a point of weakness or a point of strength. Um, that needs specific attention as well. Yeah, it's great. One of the one of the really interesting things that's happened in leadership over the last, I guess, six months is the the. And I don't want to go into politics or be divisive with politics or anything like that. But the Chinese Australian relationship that we've had, where the Chinese refuse to pick up the phone and talk to our trade minister, and our trade ministers trying to get them on the phone and trying to do all these things, and the Australian leadership playing by the rules and it's a really it's a really interesting thing to watch because it doesn't just happen in geopolitics between two countries it happens in all sorts of companies and i've seen it before in small business as well and in medium business as well where in in the in the instance of the australian government that the australians are trying to play a game and the chinese are just not playing the same game and they're trying to get a result but the chinese don't care about the result that they're trying to get because it's not really relevant to them because they're not playing that game they'll put a tariff or increase the cost of something whenever they want wherever they want they don't really care about the consequences of what we say because they just don't play the same game as us and it's a really interesting thing where australia tries to uphold its values and does the right thing maintains its sovereignty and says no we're going to do what we're going to do but we're going to comply with international law because that's what you agreed to as well and then when they're not playing the game they don't know what to do it's funny how they haven't had the ability to pivot and shift and do something different and i don't blame them right because they're kind of held to international law and to a standard and whatnot but in business the same thing can be true you might have a belligerent supplier you might have something that's not going your way people are not playing ball with you partners are not coming on board and things are not happening and as a leader you're at your wit's end you're pulling your hair out going well we made all these choices we agreed to do all these things and none of it's working and it happens at a business level and it happens at an economic level from countries as well can you offer some comments on that yeah it's i think it's really uh, what's the right word it's not deflating i think it's shocking mm. i think when you discover that people decide that playing by the established rules is not for them yeah. and that they've got a different set of leading values mm. and it's it's very confronting to do that it's like hang on a minute this is you know well, what rules are you playing by which what are the rules i'll play that that's game right. if you want but which game is it i don't know <laughs> that's right and i think we've seen the disintegration of agreed set of rules mm. in many different areas you know um, making up facts for example, coming back to U.S. politics is, yeah. you know, that whole thing is we don't play by those rules. And yet somebody is playing that game. And how do we contend with that? And I think it's alarming because we've been a peaceful society for some 50, 60 years. Yeah. Um, with the exception of some significant wars, the majority of the world has becoming more and more peaceful. And so when you have these breaches of agreements, then it is really threatening. And I think, um, what do you do? Because the usual or past ways of dealing that is like, let's go to war. We settle the score mm. and no one wants to go there. And for good reason. Yeah. And we can't, yeah. you just what can't, you, do? Do, you just can't do that anymore. You can't, no. you can't do it. It's too damaging economically, socially, physically, all of those things. It's just too bad. But what, what about in business when that's happening? How do you, how can you pivot? How can a leader, when they're at their wit's end, and that happens often. That's the hardest part about being in a leadership role and you're forced to make the decisions. You're the one that's responsible for those decisions ultimately. And I mean, you do that with the best information you can, but when things, when somebody changes the game completely, what do you do as a leader? Yeah, so here's a great example, right? So there was a CEO who built a fantastic business and her 2IC um, was right there along the whole ride and her best friend, and then turned around and took about 50% of the clients and set up her own business. Oh, Just gosh. swiped the whole business. Mm. And so the CEO was left gutted, betrayed, like there's the mm. emotional outrage. Yeah. And what do you do? Well, you just, you gotta fight it and you have to mourn quickly the loss of the trust and loss of the friendship. And uh, I think that's really, really gutting for people to, mm. because you, it's not just about business, it's about relationships. And when somebody decides that their own opportunity is more significant than, than the original relationship, it's hard to, to feel, not to feel wronged. And so, yeah, you got to rise above it and basically prosecute it uh, as much as you can. Letting the emotions ride your decisions or drive your decisions is, is not useful. Um, that just generally makes things worse. I think it's sort of a bit of a sobering thing, you know, um, 
there are people who will betray your trust. There are people who won't play by the rules. And I think I'm always a naive optimist around this. Yeah. And I like to believe the best in other people and assume good intent. Mm. And then when the bad intent emerges or the selfish intent emerges, it's really difficult not to deride the human being yeah. um, because of this poor behavior. And I think that's a, a advanced leadership practice is to breathe through all of that emotional turmoil and come back, well, this is another human being. And even though they've done horrendous things, they're still worthy of human dignity. And we still have to kneel, deal with the outrage that they've caused. Yeah. Um, so I think you can handle both those things. It just takes a lot of composure and centeredness to get there. Yeah, I, I don't find myself very composed and I often find myself very emotional, but I have a tool and I have a tool I'll share with you and I'll share with the audience as well. It's called the start, stop, continue drill. And it's really simple. If something like that happens, like something really bad happens and changes the game or someone swipes your customers or things go wrong, I always take a breath always stop and don't send an email don't make a call don't do anything give yourself at least an hour and and give yourself that space and i always ask myself what do i need to start doing what do i need to stop doing and what do i need to continue doing and another thing you can use is another drill that i use is called bfm so it's about body language focus and self-talk so what do you feel like what's your body language doing what are you focusing on sometimes you're focusing on the wrong things or what went wrong rather than what could go right and then you self-talk when you internalize i'm gonna kill that person i'm gonna do this and that's not the right way to be handling something like that start stop continue and bfm and and start stop continue are, are really simple ways to handle those emotional triggers so what I love about what you just shared is that they are very self-focused. Yeah. So it's not about what are you going to do to the other person. To me. It's more like, right, come back, come back to being centered. And I just interviewed a Zen master on my for my podcast, and she talked a lot about this too. You know, when you have people who are doing outrageous things, in your opinion, you lean into feeling that in your body and uh, because it's all past patterns and you can experience all that emotion and still choose something completely different. You don't have to be beholden to the experience or to the other person because you are a master of your own emotions. And the second thing I'd like to point out about what you said is, uh, is breath. And breath and taking a pause is what Cindy Wigglesworth, who is the author of SQ21, the 21 skills of spiritual intelligence. She mm. calls this spiritual weightlifting and the ability to put a pause between event and response is doing just that so yeah. it allows you to just settle and come back and be centered and the breath is the magic weapon weapon tool <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that we all have we all have access to that and it is it is the great swiss army knife of composure yeah it's funny isn't it you can always get your emotions under control just go and google get your emotions under control and there'll be a thousand tools and tips there to help you <laughs> and breathing is the number one <laughs> All right, Zoe, that's all really good stuff. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge there and doing that with me and having a little bit of fun and going down that political path, which I never really go down, <laughs> which is fun. And uh, for all the Trump supporters out there, sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Just a bit unfortunate. we got somebody else in there now. Uh, it is what it is. I wanted to ask you, Zoe, if somebody's listening to this and they now know that you're a leadership expert and you work with teams and you do all that sort of stuff, what are the top three things that somebody could work on today starting today that would help them accelerate their results and to to master their leadership what what's what are the top three things that you would get somebody to work on to begin with i think is to realize first of all that perspective is power so if you're going to improve your leadership that's the first tenet is that how you hone your perspective will give you heaps of access and fluidity and um versatility in your leadership. So how do you do that? I think increasing your ability to see complexity is the first tip in perspective. And one of the tools I like to point people to is, for example, the problem tree, where you start with a problem at the top of a page, and then you draw two branches out of it. And you ask yourself the question, what, can, what are two things that contributed to this problem? Uh, and then you list those. And then under each of those two things, you draw two more bubbles leading up to those. And you ask the same question again. Mm -hmm. What are two things that contributed to that? And you go down about four or five layers. So you end up with eight or more bubbles. And the idea here is to dig into the systems and the real drivers behind this presenting problem. Yeah. And that's a very simple, easy way to start mastering 
your perspective when it comes to complexity. The second tip I would give is about perspective on self. And you talked a little bit about this, you know, your self-talk. And that's like, I in my latest book, I talk about using archetypes to help us move into a different version of ourselves. Mm. And you can use any number of archetypes. I've got five in the book that I suggest uh, to help guide your responses. And the, the one archetype I will point out, which is universal and applicable in any context, is the elder. So the elder is the is the archetype where you can make wise and compassionate decisions. Uh, wisdom, where you have the best of the mind and compassion, best of the heart. Will I ever get there? <laughs> well, that's right. That's why you can use the archetype to infuse yeah. your actions. That's um, the point, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. So you can borrow this pattern, this mm. archetypal pattern, because archetypes create architecture for action. So you can take this elder type and think, who am I as an elder? How would an elder respond to this? Yeah. Um, so that's the second tip. The third tip is about perspective on other people. And we were talking earlier a little bit about this, is that don't jump to superficial conclusions about what's going on. Try and figure out what the drivers are. And there's any number of different maps you can use to understand the territory of people. And one of the ones I use is understanding what's driving people's difficult behavior mm. and ultimately the center of any difficult behavior is a fear of loss of some sort. Now, David Rock talks a lot about this. He's an Australian neuroscientist, and he lists a number of different triggers that put people into flight or fight mode. And um, they're all centered around fear of loss, loss of certainty, loss of autonomy, loss of a sense of belonging, loss of fairness, uh, too much work, so loss of control over work. Um, <laughs> So those are a number of different ones and loss of status. Yeah. So all these triggers can put people into unhelpful um, behavior. So if you know that, and if someone's pushing all of your buttons, possibly you've got one of your buttons being pushed mm. and they're having some of their buttons pushed, you can have a different kind of conversation than just thinking, oh, they're a jerk or they're just a reactive fool or they're just got a big personality I don't like. Like go deeper than that. Yeah. And I think those three places is how you can develop perspective that will make you a better leader. Yeah, I love it. That's such such important stuff. I was I've been reading a book recently. Uh, I just finished listening to the audio book. It's called Personality Is Not Permanent. Have you have you read that book? No, yeah. but I love it. Yeah, it's really cool. He goes into talking about how um, disc assessments and all of those types of personality tests don't really mean very much other than for the time that you take them. So that it means something to you now because your personality is not permanent it's not fixed it's determined by the goals that you have so your behavior now is determined by what it is that you're trying to achieve and one of the biggest takeaways that I took away from that book there is is your elder archetype and I've been practicing it because it's been a couple of weeks now since I finished that book and whenever I'm faced with making a decision about doing something in this business about a new project I'm starting the one I did with Jamie I, I looked at it from the perspective of 20 years in the future if you fast forward 20 years in the future, who are you? Are you the same, you know, impatient, cranky dude you are today? Or are you like mellowed right out? Nothing's a problem. Nothing's a drama. You take your time to make decisions. And, and you, you've, when you really think about who you would be in 20 years time, making the decision you have to make right now, the decisions you make are quite different and they're quite methodical. And it's a really in a good way, it's a bit of a confronting thing to look at because it forces you to look inwards at yourself right now and see the behavior that you have right now in a self-reflecting way that's not serving you. And you better you better bloody well change it and do something different because if you keep making decisions like this, maybe you're not going to get to make many more decisions because you're not going to be in business much longer. And it's been a really, really good thing. It's been a useful thing for me um, to use. So those archetypes, what are some other archetypes that you could use? Oh, well, you like the next one. It's the warrior. The warrior, yes, the warrior. <laughs> the warrior, yeah. And it's the amplified version of the warrior, one that is there fighting to protect and win back rights. Mm. So this is not the warrior that is out to dominate. In yep. fact, that's the shadow side of the warrior, the bully. So this is the, the ultimate ethical-based warrior out to win and protect. Um, on a different angle of that is the diplomat who is also mm -hmm. out to win and yet has a different idea or objective and they're meant their design is about progressing conversation and focusing on a win-win for all and they have a different methodology than and different energy than the warrior 
The third one is the guardian. And the guardian has got a similar type of energy to the warrior in that they're protective. Yep. And yet they're trying to progress the business. And I think the guardian is often in a difficult spot. Like it's a really interesting archetype to embody. It's like when you need to make tough decisions, um, and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. You're trying to preserve what's best in the business and create something new. It's kind of like, oh, how do you sit in those two worlds? You know, mm. how do we bring the past with us while um, creating a new future? And the last one is the pioneer, which is the pie in the sky, blue ocean strategy, yeah. uh, galvanizing, uh, uh, galvanizing creative force to them. So there's the four plus the elder that I talk about in the book. And it depends on where you find yourself and your organization and which one you can activate. And I think that's a useful thing to think about. You like, you don't have to get wedded to one particular one. You mm. activate the ones that serve in the moment. Uh, and there's thousands of different archetypes. You might have to activate the father. You might have to activate the pirate. You might have to activate <laughs> the cat. <laughs> it's, it's, a useful, it's a useful way to think about decision-making. Like who, who do I need to become to make the right decision here? Or who should I be to make, who? Who would be the best archetype to make that decision? Because really that's what you're talking about in leadership is mm -hmm. making decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's about how do you think about the decisions and then how do you actually make and follow through on them? And uh, yeah, each of those has a different strategy for both. We touched on it a, a little bit in and around um, political leaders and, and situations and whatnot. Is there, some, is there one or two common things that you see amongst the clients that you work with that are not serving them that maybe you could share with the audience so they can go, oh, maybe I should do less of that. Is there something that comes to mind for you? They all worry, every single one of them, <laughs> about not being up to the task. Oh, in being in the leadership position, they're like, I shouldn't be in this position or no, I, I don't think no, I can not, do it? Not quite that. Not quite I shouldn't be in this position. It's like, do I have it within me? Am I doing a good enough job? Could I be doing more? That sort of self-doubt right. creeps in for all of them. You know, how can I do this better? Am I doing this right? Mm. Um, that That's kind of the concerns all the time. And that serves and doesn't serve. It, it serves in that it helps people question, reflect their actions so that they don't become blind and uh, get hooked by hubris, which yep. is a big problem in leadership roles. And it doesn't serve because it can be paralyzing. Mm. And sometimes they, they, they just don't see who they can be and who they are being. And um, they don't need to live so much in the shadow of doubt. Yeah, that's a, that's a big problem, isn't it? Holding yourself back in that. And that, you know, I don't think that's just in a leadership thing. That's in many different aspects of your life as well. I was, uh, unfortunately, earlier in the year, I'd fallen down and hurt myself and I had some pretty badly bruised ribs. I was nothing broken, but I had a collapsed lung and some bruised ribs and I was just incapacitated like properly for probably about two weeks properly ironed out and I'm an active person. Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> Collapsed lung two weeks took you out? Oh yeah. My God. But I, I, honestly, I didn't think I was going to make it. And, you know, wow. you, you self-doubt yourself like, I don't think I'm ever going to get better from this. I just don't think, like, this is nothing compared to what people go through. Like, you, nothing's even broken for heaven's sake. But I, I felt I had to look within myself to say, well, no, no, you really can do this. And it's not so bad when you compare it to somebody who had their you know, leg blown off in an IED in Iraq or something like that. This is nothing compared to that. And I, I really was very self-reflective and I, and I had to look inside myself because I'd never been injured before like that. And I'd never, I've never been sick before like that. And it was the first time that I was ironed out and it was like the most humbling experience of my life. But you know what? The self-doubt that you have as a human being covers off on so many different aspects of your life. It's intimately personal and subjective as it relates to you, right? Yeah, I think the best cure for that is to swivel your perspective and focus on other people. Mm. And uh, you stop feeling small then, because if you've got something to contribute to other people, it, it helps pull you out of that world, downward whirlpool. Uh, even even if you are injured, et cetera, if you can think a little bit of about other people, then it can help just nudge you out of that a little bit. Mm. I figured uh, that I was going to get a bit cranky and a bit feel a bit sorry for myself because I felt like I was feeling sorry for myself. And then I'm like, you got nothing to be sorry for, man. And you're like, you're okay. You're breathing, you know, embrace the pain. It makes you know that you're alive. Come on. And I, I've kind of, I, I felt that way and I, and I got better. 
as a result of that, you know, and I've been faced with leadership problems in, in my business and my organization before where I've had a lot of self-doubt creep in thinking, am I, am I going to be able to recover this? Are we going to be able to pull this deal off? This Sometimes you you overcommit to something and then you don't know if you can actually execute on it. It's a scary, it's a scary place to be, but it also... It's also a good reminder of being an entrepreneur. That's kind of what you thrive on and that's what makes you feel alive too. <laughs> that's right. A big mountain is always a useful mountain sometimes, but there are you know precipices to be mindful of. Yes, absolutely, definitely. Hey Zoe, can you, can you tell us a, uh, a, a quick story, maybe a case study about somebody who was having a hard time and you gave them some leadership advice or you work with them for a couple of months and you, you got them on the other side? Is there something that comes to mind for you? Oh yeah, many of them. Um, I'll talk about one of them recently, probably as we were just speaking about it. So she's a fabulous CEO and she's been in a number of my different programs over the years. And she was having this moment of crisis and, and she wrote me this note saying, do you have you know 30 minutes to have a chat to me about this situation? I'm like, sure. And I, she sent me a little description of what was going on. And she, was finally hiring someone to take over a big piece of work that she'd been managing all over, like she'd been managing. And she knew absolutely that this was the right thing to do. And the new person was fabulous, very competent, very capable. I'm like, what's the problem? And she said, I feel like it's really hard to let go of control. I'm not <laughs> sure how I define my success anymore because uh, that's the work that I used to do. I'm just feeling a little empty around that. I'm not sure how to handle my fantastic opportunity to level up. And uh, it's a really important pivot, not pivot, shift that leaders need to make when they start realizing that their job is to create other leaders and yeah. not just be the solution maker themselves. And it feel, it's a really different kind of work and you don't get the dopamine hit uh, as you do just getting things done yourself, but you do get serotonin and oxytocin from boosting up other people and it's a more complex leadership role and so on the other side of that she's like oh there's a sense of ease and relief in it because she knows that she will be able to expand what she can do and what the organization can do as a result and she realized that she was keeping the organization small by not doing this and um that was a good catalyst for her to go wow the more i help others to be successful the more the organization is successful therefore i am successful and redefining what success is was the critical point there so she walked away feeling like okay yeah this is all good i don't have to be worried about this and i think just pointing out the fact that she's mourning mourning a different way of being and doing yeah. and the loss of certainty and what she was used to was was a contributing factor there isn't it funny what you get attached to in life <laughs> yeah well because she was attached to, know, to that like, right she was attached she was to totally that attached to that and yeah. it's i think it's biochemically driven you know yeah. that sort of the certainty you get from having control of your own little patch and a lot of leaders struggle with that they they go from being an expert in something and get promoted to management and they go, holy crap, this is a whole bunch harder than just doing my own work. And they long for the simplicity of just being able to tick boxes and manage your own workload until they work out that the complexity, you can actually thrive doing that as long as you learn the new skills. And it's just a new set of skills, really. Yeah, beautifully said, beautifully said. Well, Zoe, as we bump up against 45 minutes here on the podcast, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you sharing your time and knowledge with us. Tell us a little bit about People Stuff and the book and congratulations on winning that award. It's nice to bang one of those stickers on the front cover of it. Uh, well done. It's, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, it's actually four stickers. This is the exciting piece. It won Book of the Year. Yep. It, was, it won Management and HR Book of the Year. And it won finalist in leadership and finalist in book cover design. So there's four stickers on the book, which is awesome. I love it. I'm very happy about that. Um, the book is about perspective. You know, mm. we talked a little bit about that today. Perspective on uh, self, others, and the bigger picture and how to develop the skills of perspective. So it's chock full of great uh, resources and frameworks to help you gain a perspective to help deliver better results. And what's the feedback been from your readers so far? They love it. 
So a lot of people are, are rifling through it, dog gearing it, uh, pulling out the practices. It's helped in a number of different complex people dynamic situations. They're like, hang on, I know the book has something on this. And they go back and they run through one of the tools and it helps unpack what the issues are and make it a lot easier uh, to then turn around and, and step into what the next thing is that they need to do. Yeah, nice one. And earlier today, before this podcast, I went and purchased my copy of that. So I'm looking forward to receiving that. But you've also got some little cards that go with that. Tell us about that, because I thought that was really ingenious. And that hooked me in. That was a good little sales technique, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Um, there, yeah, the implementation cards give you some strategies of what you can do. You can pull out a card and have it as a discussion point for your team, or you can use the cards to, as little reminders of what you need to do if you want to develop your diplomat archetype. So there's a summary points of the key key components of the book to help you um, implement what you've learned. Okay, it's very uh, very clever. Was that your idea, or did someone say, "Hey, you should do these cards as well"? No, I actually ripped the idea off a friend of mine who had a set of implementation cards for her book. I'm like, and also my friend Oscar, he's got a beautiful set of cards. So some of my author friends are doing similar types of things. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that too. It feels really effective because, you know, when you've got a hard copy of a book, even with an audio book, that's why I like hard copies of books because I like to scribble notes in the margins. I like to highlight things and to do that as well. But if you don't have that hard copy, like, and you just listen to an audio book or it's just a PDF, then sometimes you're like, what was that thing that she said in that part about archetypes? And there was four different, if I've got those flashcards there for me, they're like right there. It's like a little clever little reference point and and great reference material there. So that's awesome. But that's not the only book that you've got. You've got a bunch of other ones as well, haven't you? My other books, yeah. So this was my book number four. My first book was Composure, Mm -hmm. How Standard Leaders Make the Biggest Impact. So that's a big self-awareness book. The second one was Moments, Leadership When It Matters Most. And that's all about difficult moments that you face individually as a leader and with others. And Loyalty, which is how to stop unwanted staff turnover, um, boost engagement and create lifelong advocates, which is the longest subtitle ever, is about (laughs) um, employee engagement and how to build awesome teams. Yeah, nice stuff. And ladies and gentlemen, you just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to Zoe's books will be right there. So you won't have to go digging around for them at all. It's nice and easy to find. And finally, tell us about your podcast. What's that called? And uh, what's that all about? (laughs) The podcast is called In a Very Creative name the zoe routh leadership podcast so (laughs) super easy to remember and it is about the people stuff in leadership and next year we're doing some really cool things we've got quarterly themes that are paralleling what i'm doing with my high level leadership program called amplifiers and so we're centering each quarter on a theme of leading change or leading culture leading strategy and uh, leading performance so each quarter we've got interviews with authors we've got interviews with leaders from the trenches and we've got um, reflective insights from me book reviews and practical exercises for people so it's kind of like a mini audio course yeah it sounds like there's a lot coming up and there's a lot to it a lot of thought behind it there as well has that been fun putting that together (laughs) <laughs> it's nice to borrow some of that yeah. um, structure and have some focus. Mm. Yeah, nice stuff. Good stuff. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, the links are right there in the show notes. So make sure you pop on over to iTunes or to Spotify and check out Zoe's podcast as well. If people want to connect with you, Zoe, what's the best way to do that? Oh, you can come to Planet Zoe, uh, which is my website, zoerouth.com. That's R-O-U-T-H, like mouth with an R. LinkedIn, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But um, probably planetzoezoerath.com and LinkedIn are the best spots. All right. And you've got a really good blog there as well. So make sure you uh, pop on over to that website, check out the blog, and don't forget to click through to the podcast and get on the email list as well. And while you're there, go ahead and buy a book as well because it's all good stuff. Zoe, thanks again for coming on the Goalin Exclusive podcast. I wanted to give you the opportunity for the parting comment. What's the final piece of wisdom you got for us today? Make sure you chill out from time to time. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest that's important piece. So appropriate at this time of the year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it is. Good stuff. Thanks again for coming on. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Well, 
Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with today's guest, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to their website and socials are right there so you don't have to go poking around in Google for them. I've made it nice and easy, so make sure you reach out and connect with them. If you've got a question, a message, or some feedback for the show, you can reach out to me via the AMA page and share your thoughts and your questions and your feelings there as well. And don't forget, you can ask the guest some questions as well if you've got something for them as well. And don't forget to get your free copy of my best-selling masterclass. It's worth $149 and I'm giving it to you for free. Just head on over to goallin.com.au forward slash referral to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. is wrong.